Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the pens cast i am your host garrett behanna as always alongside me co-host of the pens cast and fellow contributing writer at pensburg.com it is robbie noggle robbie this is the second time this week we're meeting and uh, we have a couple of different things to talk about but how have you been since the mailbag episode earlier this week nothing too exciting just you know one day at a time and uh we're recording this on thursday which means by the time you're listening to this it's friday and Hey, nothing better than a Friday. Nothing is better than a Friday. I have to agree with you there. And hopefully by the time you are listening to this episode of the Pens cast, the Penguins will be declared victorious against the, the Dallas Stars. And uh, part of the conversation we're going to steer it towards this week has to do with the Penguins, their playoff odds, and where they go from here with 11 games left on the schedule. Following a 2-1 to defeat, really, an inexplicable defeat at the hands of the Ottawa Senators earlier in the week, the Penguins responded with a, a dominating 5-2 victory over the Colorado Avalanche. Like I mentioned, the Penguins have 11 games left against a variety of opponents. Some of them are good, like the Boston Bruins. Most of them, though, however, are out of a playoff spot, are rebuilding teams, they are not really fighting for much at this point in the season. Robbie, the Penguins are currently 35, 25, and 10, and they're clinging to dear life for that second wild card spot. The question is simple, really, with 11 games left. How likely is it the Penguins clinch a postseason berth? Because for a while we were saying that the numbers were on their side. The schedule is still in their favor. They had games in hand against the Islanders, and they somewhat squandered those games away. As of Thursday, early Thursday morning, Money Puck gave the Penguins a 43.9% chance to clinch a postseason berth. Hockey References Playoff Probabilities Report gave the Penguins a 49% chance on the dot. 538 is at 61%, so well over the 50% margin. These estimates, Robbie, while just that, they're just estimates, are no surefire thing and are pretty much all over the board for a team as inconsistent as the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins. So, Robbie, you see the schedule that the Penguins have for the remainder 
of the regular season. Teams like Columbus, Detroit, Philadelphia. However, you have teams like the Dallas Stars thrown in there. The Nashville Predators are fighting for a spot. They play the Boston Bruins at least one more time as well. Like I mentioned, the schedule is in their favor, Robbie, but how confident are you looking at some of these projections that the Penguins can sort of run the table and clinch a postseason berth? I think just looking at those odds, it's exactly what it says. I think it's a coin flip, basically. If you take the high end of that being 538 at 61%, um, the ro- the low there being money puck at about 44%. Hockey reference has them right at 49, which I think is probably, it's a 50-50 shot right now, I think. And again, the built-in advantage you had with the games played uh, is pretty much wiped away at this point. Uh, now tonight, when the Penguins play Dallas, well, obviously by the time you listen to this episode, you'll know how everything played out tonight. Um, Toronto and Florida play, which is a, a very key game. Uh, for the Penguins as well, but you still have one game in hand over the Islanders, which will be made up uh, tonight against Dallas. So if the Penguins win, they draw into a tie with them. But unfortunately, uh, based on regulation wins, the Islanders have a a rather sizable advantage in that category. So if the Penguins are going to surpass the Islanders at any point the rest of the season, they are going to likely going to have to finish at least one point better than them. Uh, in the standings, uh, and Florida also has a very sizable uh, regulation wins advantage, which is again the first tiebreaker. So the Penguins that way have they have to factor that in as well. But I think you know it's fifty fifty. You you look at the schedule uh, after Dallas tonight. You you round out uh, the month of March with uh, a home game against the Capitals, a road game against Detroit, and a home game against Nashville. And again, the game against the Capitals. The Capitals, listen, they're out of the playoff picture. They're not eliminated yet, but they're not going to be there. But you know they're going to love to play spoiler for the Penguins. Uh, so you got to take that game seriously. It's at 8 o'clock, so it's going to be on TV. The Detroit game, it's a road game, but again, a game you got to win. You just have to win a game like that. You're not going to win every game from here on out, but, I mean, that, that would put them on an 11-game uh, winning streak the rest of the season, which they'd be the, like the hottest team going in the playoffs, which I think everybody would love, but... Uh, don't see that happening uh, totally, but that's how you're wrapping up March. Uh, three winnable games and three games. I I argue that you at least got to get four points out of uh, minimum four points, discounting the Dallas game tonight because by the time you listen to this, the Dallas game will be in the book. So I think looking at those three games, you have to you get you got to get four points out of that, and then once the calendar flips to April, it opens hard uh, with Boston. Uh, and then you got Philly uh, at home, a toughie against the Devils. The Wild are never easy. And then you got Detroit, Chicago, and Columbus to wrap up the season. Uh, so April, you have three games at home, three games away. And it's going to be all to play for down that stretch. So it's really going to be what you do in those games. Because really, the Penguins will control their own destiny, given how things are shaking out. It's a coin flip for me. And whether they make it or not, no one to blame with themselves. They're the reason they're in this this position. Uh, if you really want to get into it, obviously you can blame the front office for putting them in this position. Uh, the players, hey, they're just paid to play. Especially that that top those top forwards, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Raquel, been carrying this team. Jason Zucker's in there as well. It's a shame that it has to be at this at this point where we're. 
by the time this comes out, 10 games left in the season, and the Penguins are right on the as on the playoff bubble as you can get. Uh, the closest uh, they've been to missing the playoffs, basically in this entire Crosby-Malkin era, uh, really, uh, they had that one scare in 2015, but ultimately made it and didn't get out of the first round, but uh, such is life. Yeah, that's what we face these final two, three weeks, and you just have to hope that they get the job done. But if not, I mean, you can look back on the season and pick uh, moments when they threw away points and that they could use now. But it is what it is, and we'll see how it plays out. But it's going to be a very adventurous final three weeks here. Let's talk, I guess, a little bit. Let's shift the discussion and and talk about what you kind of brought up there. The fact that we're even having this conversation talking about the Penguins being so close to that bubble, like you mentioned. The fact that we're heading into the month of April, finishing up the month of March, and historically, for the last 15, 16, 17 years, which is a an eternity in the sports landscape, no matter what sport you play, we have been routinely conditioned to maybe not give so much stock to the games in mid to late March, early April. It's become commonplace for the Penguins to really have their their T's crossed and their I's dotted at this point in the season. And look, we, we, we've spent countless hours talking about hypotheticals to this point in the season. Uh, the what-if scenarios, if if it is the worst-case scenario and the Penguins miss out uh, and they, they do get a lottery pick. It, it seems so crazy to think about the Penguins in the lottery. And they were in that lottery for Alexis Lafreniere a couple of years ago out of weird circumstance and maybe you could argue technicality. But with the Penguins outright missing the traditional postseason tournament under the Crosby-Malkin era, it, it really hasn't happened. Like you mentioned, Robbie, the, the, the finger can be blamed that the, the executives for constructing the roster that, that Mike Sullivan can only coach with and the players can only play alongside. But it seems so so foreign to have this kind of conversation regarding the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, maybe it's a one-off. Maybe the Penguins go into this upcoming offseason, whether they make the postseason or not, and they sort of retool like the Boston Bruins have done and look at the Bruins, what they have accomplished this season with largely a, a large core of elder statesmen. There's no reason, if you want to take the glass half full approach, that the Penguins can't do something similar heading into the 2023-24 season and try and maximize what's left. But would you agree with me in saying that if the Penguins are in the lottery discussion, if they miss out on the postseason or if they get into the first round and lose in the first round, how many how many heads do you think start to roll? Uh, is Mike Sullivan's job safe? Is Ron Hextall finally out the door after what we've been pleading about for, for so long now? It's so hard to get a grasp on where the Penguins are because of what many consider to be absentee owners in the Fenway Sports Group. They're nameless, faceless people, just rich executives who happen to own this franchise. It was easier when uh, Mario Lemieux and Burkle owned the team because Lemieux was one of the greatest to ever play the game. You kind of had an idea of what he was thinking as a hockey man, for, for lack of a better term, as a player and as an executive for so long. You kind of had the understanding, or at least it was leaked out into the media, 
of discontent within Lemieux and Burkle's camp, whether it was firing Biles, Mashiro, Johnston, Rutherford, whatever. And now we're kind of left to look for anything we can, any sort of scrap we can get regarding Fenway Sports Group. But uh, Robbie, how, how likely is it, if you had to put money on it, how likely is it that either the coach is gone or the general manager is gone if the Penguins don't make the postseason or if they do make the postseason and get obliterated in four or five games? At the very least, assuming the Penguins don't go on some magical run in the playoffs if they get there, I think that the bare minimum is Ron Hextall is obviously gone. I really think that that is, and that is counting even just making the playoffs and losing the first round, even if it's a hard-fought uh, first-round series or whatever. I think it's quite clear that uh, Ron Hextall it will be out the door. I just it, it just you can say what you want about Fenway Sports Group that they don't pay attention, blah 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 blah. We really have. No idea because there's been no real change. And I don't necessarily even blame them for last season, given Ron Hextall chances to new owners. There was a lot of talk uh, last year if they would maybe maybe fire him and start with a whole fresh crew, but they didn't. They gave him a chance, and obviously there were probably some red flags and warning signs along the way. But I just think that if you look at their history with the other teams they own, uh, Liverpool FC – a very good uh, down this year, but a very forward-thinking club uh, with a top-tier head coach. Uh, it's the same with the Red Sox. Yeah, they're down a little bit. They were in the ALCS two years ago. Definitely some maybe not great decisions if you look back at their history there, especially looking at the Mookie Beth situation and this past winter as well, where they let uh, one of their best players, Xander Bogarts, kind of walk, but they did lock up another franchise player in Rafael Devers. So they made it a point to go out and sign Malkin. They could have just said, hey, it's time. we're just trying to lower payroll, Malkin Latang. Thank you, uh, but uh, we're going to let you guys go uh, find greener pastures somewhere else. But they didn't. They pushed to get those guys signed, and they did. Ricard Raquel, that was a big deal. Brian Rust was a big deal. So – there is some they, – they are going to spend. That's no doubt. It's just I think it's now time that, okay, they gave Hextall a chance, clearly not working out. The attempts to fix it have just been bad. So I think that they just try to clean house that way. And Ron Hextall and likely Brian Burke are, are, are out of the picture. Now, Mike Sullivan, you don't know what's said behind closed doors in meetings. Um, if they do bring in a new general manager, uh, you don't know if that general manager has somebody in mind that he'd like to coach or if he's okay with Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan, regardless of whether he gets fired or not, is going to have a job come opening night in October. Whether it's behind the Penguins bench or behind the bench of another franchise in the NHL, Mike Sullivan's going to have a job. He's still a top five head coach in the NHL. Working with what he got, you can criticize some of the deployment. But other than that, he's a part of the reason they are still where they are in a playoff pic- in the playoff picture combined with the, the big three. That's just a fact. So, yeah, you don't know what happens in private meetings, whether Sullivan makes enough of an impression on a new general manager, uh, because the new general manager comes in, 
He might have guys he likes. How that pans out, I don't know. I think that decision on Hextall or Sullivan will be made by the assuming new general manager. And if I had to guess, if I had to put money on it right now, I don't know how much it's going to be determined more based on who the new general manager is as compared to what the result of the season is. I think it's going to be more in the new general manager to evaluate Sullivan's role in Pittsburgh. The players, Crosby and Malkin and Latang, clearly love him. They want him in Pittsburgh. That was made clear at the beginning of the season. So I think they'll have a say in, in it as well. Uh, so that'll be something interesting to watch here uh, after the season ends, whenever that may be. But I think the minimum Ron Hextall is out the door, likely Brian Burke, a new front office is brought in, and then they make the decision on uh, Mike Sullivan. I, I still lean toward Mike Sullivan will remain as the Penguins head coach. Uh, but again, things can change rapidly when a new front office, new general manager is brought in. One last question, one last little discussion point, and we'll wrap up this week's episode edition of the Pens Cast. Something that has always given me pause and made me think a little bit, and you kind of mentioned it there, we don't know what happens behind closed doors in private meetings with regarding Sullivan, Hextall, whomever. The players aren't oblivious to their surroundings. They're, they'll say all the right things in front of the cameras. And more or less, I'm talking about the big three, Latang, Crosby, and Malkin. You look at the, the numbers that Crosby and Malkin have put up this season together. I don't believe either player has missed a game to this point. And both, e- even in their advanced age, at ages 30, 36 and 35, are having tremendous seasons. And if the Penguins don't make the postseason, the argument is there. And the discussion is there to be had. One of the final, perhaps the last, I don't want to say the last great season between these two or three players, but you have to make the, have the discussion at least that this year was thrown down the drain. The production that you don't typically see from an age 34, 35, 36 year old kind of hockey player was essentially all for naught. I'm curious, Robbie, how much sway is Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and or Chris Letang going to exert in this situation? From all accounts, at least from what is shown to the public, Sidney Crosby is a quiet leader. He, he seems like he is a reserved player. And whatever happens, happens. And he will let his play on the ice speak for itself. However... I also, I know for a fact that Crosby is an incredibly driven, incredibly competitive person and player. And if he misses the postseason, even with everything working in his favor, even with the tremendous season that he has put up, that I I know for a fact will not sit well with the captain. I am wondering how much, how much say if the Penguins do go into this offseason in a disappointing fashion, whether they get eliminated in the first round or don't clinch outright anyway, how how much is Crosby, Malkin, and Latang going to come together and say, we've been doing this for 16, 17 years, and this is the first time that this has happened to us? Are they the kind of players who, maybe even behind closed doors, would demand such a change, would put their foot down and say, something has to happen because this is not working? I think it's to the point now where they're not going to need to say anything, honestly. 
I think it's pretty clear that Ron Hexall's days are numbered, but if something is going on behind the scenes where maybe there is some belief that he could stay, that I could see Crosby uh, Malkin and Latang. They know. I mean, they're not stupid. They they know their time is extremely limited, and they know they see what happens on, on the ice. They know who's carrying the weight and where the where the problem is. And again, like I said with the with the Sullivan thing, they love Mike Sullivan. So if it comes to a head coach, if a new general manager comes in and gets their input on uh, the head coach, I think they're going to stand up for Mike Sullivan, whether or not that is what the final decision is uh, for whoever makes that call uh, will remain to be seen. But I think overall that way, I think they, they could have some say now the general manager. It's really hard to say because uh, sometimes different owners have different philosophies and want a different uh, general manager. The, uh, the man they have running the show with the Red Sox is a very analytically forward person. He believes in the analytics so they're going to get a front office in there that uh, presumably shares those values like that. So uh, however that shakes out, that maybe that's more of a corporate decision, whereas the on-ice stuff, they do get some get some say. Now, could I be completely wrong and they go right to Crosby and Malkin and Latang and do this? And, hey, what do you guys think? They, they could absolutely do that. And they Crosby and those three have earned uh, the right to get a say in these decisions, regardless of who the owner is, or regardless even what the final decision is, because these guys have given literally everything to this franchise. Malkin and Latang could have gone to the open market last year and got much more money than they did. We know Malkin came really close, and from the sound of it, a lot of that was ruffled feathers from the negotiation, that he was a little bitter. And if you believe the stories, I don't think it's really hard to blame him that much but it's very clear that those guys could have gone out got much more than what they did even if it was a shorter deal but playing with Crosby playing in this city uh, with that penguin on the sweater is important to them and they have earned that right they have sacrificed a lot for this franchise and for the city so I think regardless of who the owners are they deserve uh, at least to say uh, put their two cents in and have their opinions weighed because the sacrifices they made have made this entire era possible. And I think that if you look at what the issues are, a little tinkering with the right people can make a huge difference for next season. And I think Crosby and those guys know that. So when it comes to decisions as in the front office or the coach, they at least deserve to have their voices heard because of everything they've done. Um, and it goes it goes back to even before uh, this last offseason with Malkin and Latang. All those guys could have gone and got big deals other places in the past. Crosby is still underpaid. Malkin's arguably still underpaid. So is Chris Latang, and they have been most of their careers. And they've sacrificed so much for this team. I think it's only right, knowing that the time is running out, that they're running out of opportunities to win another Stanley Cup, that they get a voice. Uh, in the room as to what they think is the right direction to go to hopefully accomplish those goals uh, and raise that trophy one more time before they hang up the skates for good uh, here in the near future. The next time we meet to recap the latest goings on with the Pittsburgh Penguins will be next week. And by that time, games will be played against the Dallas Stars, the Washington Capitals, the Detroit Red Wings, and the Nashville Predators. So we will have an even clearer picture 
as we are in the home stretch, the the last remaining games of the regular season to see if the Penguins can right the ship and see if they can punch a ticket to battle for Lord Stanley's Cup. But until then, until next week's episode, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pens Cast, and we will talk to all of you again this time next week.